All right. We're going to be starting a brand new series this morning, and this series is actually going to take us through into June. I'm not quite sure how far into June, so we'll definitely be here all of May. And, and just before we really get started, um, I don't know about you, but I'm having like a panic attack that we're already in May. I don't know how this has happened. I remember people telling me as you get older, time is going to get faster and speed up and all these things, and I'm starting to get petrified because I'm feeling like by time... I, I, I am a little bit older, you know, I'll blink and the year will be gone. So here we are, 1st of May. So this series is going to kind of take us through um, May and into June. I'm not quite sure, like I said, how far into June, but I'm very excited about this series. I think this is going to be a good one. We're going we're gonna to look in the book of Acts. Uh, we, we just kind of finished our series last week on the final week of Jesus, and we're kind of actually going to allow that to kind of pee back into this new series. Uh, and we're going to look into some of the the things of, of Acts. We're going to kind of look at some portions of the book of Acts, and that's where we're going to be for the next couple of weeks. And I, again, I'm very excited. So before we really kind of get into the message this morning, I want to kind of start us with kind of a little intro to this to the series, a little intro to kind of what we're going to be talking about. And so I want to start out with asking you a simple question, but maybe one that you have thought about recently, or maybe you haven't. But here's what I want you to think about just as we get started. What comes to your mind when you hear the word church okay not not what you not what you think I want to hear or not what you think the right answer is like what when you think of church what do you think about do you think about a place do you do, do images come to your mind when you think of that word what does it come what, what do you think about and depending on your background depending on maybe how long you've you've been in a church or what type of church there's maybe different things that come to your mind I know for me if, uh, when I think of the word church I usually go back to maybe when I was a child and and remembering the church I grew up in and the pastor I had and all these sort of things and kind of what it looked like or sometimes I think about when we were, we took the youth group to Ireland uh, when I was a youth pastor and some of the amazing, just beautiful old churches that were there that I got to see and, and it was really cool to see some of the architecture and things like that. But when you really think about that word, what comes to your mind? Because here's the thing, I really believe this is true. When, when we think of the word church, when we start to put in all those things, it's probably pretty different than what people thought as far as Christians in the first century. It's probably a little bit of a different understanding and a different mindset because it's changed over time. And we're going to kind of look at that as kind of an intro this morning and things of that nature. But at that time, people really, when they understood the idea of church, they really understood it as an idea of a movement of people that were built around a conviction. Like when they understood that, they didn't use the word church but they understood it kind of in that idea. It was a movement of people that was built around a conviction. And that conviction was that Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, God rose him from the dead. They, they were a group that had that conviction, had that belief. And they were a group of people, a movement of people that were moving with that idea and that concept. In the, in, the, in the Greek, and this is in your notes, the Greek word that we translate in the New Testament for church is the word ekklesia, okay? Ekklesia. Some of you may have heard this word before. So maybe some of you, it's a brand new word, ekklesia. And here's the thing, ekklesia, it's again, in your notes, we want to kind of understand this because I may, during the, this series, use that word. It means an assembly or gathering of people. And it comes from basically two ideas or two words. The word ek, meaning out of, and kaleo, meaning to call. Okay? So the ekklesia. Sometimes you'll hear people use that word for the church. It's basically that's where that word is, and that's the word that they would use. So here's the idea. Here's the concept. So the ecclesia, when you understand the breaking down of what it was, and also how they understood the concept at that time, is an assembly or movement of people that have been called out around an idea or conviction, okay? So when they understood the word church, or they understood when people gathered together, they would understand it in this concept or this word ecclesia, okay? So it was something interesting. Now, that's how they saw it. We don't always see it that way because we have a little bit of a different understanding, okay? Because in the Middle Ages, something really, really horrible happened, okay? 
Now, you got to remember, the, the New Testament was in Greek, the Old Testament in Hebrew. But in the in Middle Ages, about that time, they began to use a translate a different word for church. And it actually is a German word, and I am going to butcher it. So anybody out there that really knows German, I apologize to you, your family, and your heritage, and your language. Okay, but I'm trying here. But it's the word Kirchen, I think. I think I butchered it, okay? I, I did spell it, so it's, it's I mean, maybe I shouldn't spell it out because then you'll really think I butchered it. But it's K-I-R-C-H-E, okay? And that word began to be used as the concept of church. And then basically we get basically from Kirchick or whatever to our understanding of, of church and the word church and things like that. It kind of sounds somewhat similar. But here's the idea. That word means something completely different than the idea of the ecclesia. The kirchhoff means this, okay? In the German, it means a sacred place where you gather for religious purposes, okay? So there's a big difference between the kirchhoff, I butchered it, sorry, and the ecclesia. Isn't it strange? I can do better with the Greek than the German, maybe, I don't know why, okay? But we have a completely different idea. One is a group and a, of people, the called out ones, and one is about a place or a, situ a, a, a building or something like that. And unfortunately, for a lot of us, myself kind of included, when we think of the word church, we think of the kircha. We don't think about the body of believers that God has called out under and with a conviction and a purpose and a mission. We tend to think of it as, this is the place that we go. We go to church on Sunday. And we've always heard this phrase, and, and we kind of made it kind of almost Christian bumper sticker-ish, where the church isn't a building, it's not a place, it's a people. And that is so true. But I don't know if we always live that way. We, we kind of tend to make the church into almost like a buffet line where we come when we need something or we come when we, you know, and, and my job as the pastor is to basically be the cafeteria lunch lady. Oh, that's a scary thought. And, and you come to me and you say, okay, well, you know, I'm having a really bad week. And I say, okay, well, let me hear. Here, I got you, I got you this plate of hope. Okay, here you go. And somebody else comes to me, you know, I had a really, really good week. And I okay, well, here's a plate of blessing. There we go. Or, or I, I need healing in my body. Okay, well, here's a plate. And I just dispense things to you. You realize that is not what God has called his church to be. That is not what the ecclesia is. That is the kirchhoff. That is the idea of I go to a place to get what I need. The problem with that is that is not what scripture teaches us. Yeah, is, is this place a special place? Sure it is, but it's not a special place because it's a, there's a steeple on the top of it. It's special because of the people that come together with the purpose, the conviction, and the understanding that we are the called out ones and we're going to be a movement of people that are going to go with that, that understanding and with that conviction and let God change and mold us and our community. You see, here's the thing, and this is in your notes. There is a danger in every church age that the movement of God's people is diminished and we become just a place. That is not the ecclesia. That is not what God has called His church to be and do. But it's so easy to fall into that trap. It's so easy to fall into that place where we do just become a place. It's not what God's called us to be. In fact, God in some ways has called us to be the exact opposite of a kircha. He's called us to be an ecclesia. A movement that are gathered around the idea that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. So important, so important. So we're going to jump now into the book of Acts. We're going to look at this. Now I want to kind of give you a little bit of a timeline and where we're at so that you know, obviously, at this point, as Acts is kind of beginning, Jesus has, has risen from the dead. 
and he is now getting ready to, he's, he's appeared to people for 40 days and, and all these things, and he's getting ready to now ascend into heaven. We're going to read that in just a moment. But we're, we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus shares, some of the things, this is really the beginning of, of the ecclesia and basically what God has called it to be, what God wants us to be, and, and, and how sometimes when we drift from that, ways that we can get back to being that ecclesia. So we're going to be in Acts, the first chapter. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 1. It'll also be up there on the screen as well. We're going to look at two portions of Scripture, one right after another, but we are going to break them up. So we're going to start in Acts 1, starting with verse number 6. So again, Jesus has risen from the dead. And so here's where we're picking up the story in Acts chapter 1, verse number 6. This is, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied in verse 7, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Now let's stop here right before we get to verse number 8. So even in this point in time, okay, the disciples have still not quite really understood what the mission of Jesus is. So they're going, hey... Their, their mindset, their theology was not around this idea of a suffering Messiah and dying. It was, it was political power. It was kicking out whoever was in charge at the time and them setting it up. And so now Jesus has risen from the dead. I mean, he, he's obviously who he says he was. So now is it time? Is it finally time? And Jesus is like, look, and what's interesting here, and, I want, and this is important that we catch this. Jesus didn't say it wasn't going to happen. Okay. It's going to happen. It just isn't going to happen yet. So he says, listen, it's not for you to know. The Lord God has that understanding, and the, he, he's, going to, he's going to take care of that. So it's coming one day, thank goodness. But it's not quite happening yet. So he says, listen, it's not for you to know that time. But then he goes into verse 8. So now he's going from what you don't need to know to what you do need to know. And this isn't just for them at that moment. It's for us today. So now let's go to verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, a lot of us maybe have heard this before. This is really basically, in some ways, what we would consider. Now, obviously, Matthew 28 is more of a popular one. But this is, this is basically the Great Commission. This is Jesus telling them, hey, this is what you're going to do now. You're going to go out. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to share these things. You're going to communicate these things. Okay? And so this is where they're left with Jesus. He says, you're going to not just do it around here. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. Now, these guys probably have never been 25 to 50 miles away from the place that they were born. And Jesus has just communicated, listen, you're going to go to the ends of the earth to share what you have seen and heard. Remember what a witness is. A witness is not somebody who basically tells people what's basically going to happen. They're basically going to tell people what has already taken place. That's what they're called to do. Be a witness. What have you seen? What have you experienced? Firsthand, they begin to do that, and they begin to do it obviously through, through missionary work. They do it through their writings and their letters and so many other things. And so Jesus has communicated them to this. Listen, it's not about this kingdom that you're so worried about, it's about you taking the kingdom to other people. And not a political kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. And so they've been told, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses, and you're going to travel throughout the world to share that. Now let's continue. Acts 1, verse number 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see the, him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Okay? Now, again, this is one of those things like we, we've heard this maybe in Sunday school. You've seen pictures. But, man, we're going to put a little humanity on this for just a second. Okay? Think about what just has taken place. Okay? You have followed Jesus for three years. 
You have, you have followed him. You failed him at times. But you've, 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 you've now seen him as you, you saw him crucified. Now you've seen him risen. And he's just told you, listen, here's the mission. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out and you're going to make disciples. The Holy Spirit's going to come and, and empower you to do that. And as he finishes saying that, Jesus now begins to levitate away from them. Now here's, here's the thing. Like, like that doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm going, okay, Jesus is going to give us the mission and now Jesus is going to hang out with us and we're going to have some planning sessions, okay? We're going we're to sit down and have some training time. We're going to have some time where we get together and Jesus is going to say, okay, Peter, you're the big mouth, so you're going to be doing this. Okay, Matthew, you, you seem to be really good with, with numbers and understanding these things, so you're going to hang out here. Okay, John, you're, you know, you have a really understanding of, of my heart and all these sort of things, so I want you to write this letter. All, all these things. Jesus just tells them, you're going to get power, you're going to be my witnesses, and then he starts to exit the scene. And so here's these disciples. I Listen, this is going to be one of my questions one day. Maybe they're just speechless. I mean, maybe that's what you do when someone, like, you know, Jesus just leaves and levitates away. But, I mean, was there anybody that went like, uh, uh, Jesus, wait a minute. Um, wait, wait, oh, slow down. Please, uh, come back. Wait a minute, we don't, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. What do we, what, 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 how do we handle this? Jesus just leaves. And so they're sitting there. They're looking up and they're like, okay, well, uh, Jesus is gone. And then, and, and I really hope this is the case because I like kind of like sound effects. I hope there was a sound effect, okay? Like I hope the, the two angels didn't just like appear. I hope there was like a sound, you know? Like, like they're sitting there, all of a sudden they hear a and they turn around, they look, and these two guys are standing there around them. And then they speak in verse 11. He says, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now here's what's interesting, okay? You kind of read that and you're like, you know, were they kind of getting rebuked? What was the issue here? Okay, here's what I've learned about an ecclesia that God wants us to be. If it's a movement, and if there is movement involved, you know what you don't typically do? You don't typically stand. That's not movement. And you definitely don't look up and move very well. The issue here was not their desire to see Jesus. Listen, I would have been there too. I'm like, I want to see them just the very last little bit. The issue was that they were standing and staring up instead of moving and looking forward. We tend, can, we can do that, can't we? We can tend to, as the church, we begin to just basically say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm content here to stand. I'm content here to be here looking up at Jesus. And listen, there are moments and there's times, and as absolutely true, where we just need to stop for a moment and just bask in the presence of Jesus. Just, but, but there's also a time where it's time to look down and start to move. Start to be what God has called us to be. So the question really becomes, the question that we have to ask ourselves personally is this. Is the church a place you attend or a movement of people that you are personally a part of? What's the, that, that's, we have to answer that question at times. And here's the thing that we tend to do. Can I just be honest as, as someone that's kind of been around the block a little bit? We tend to blame the church for a lack of movement when these men understood movement before there was ever a church. Do you understand that? Okay. If you're going to be a part of a move of God, it's not about a location or a church figuring out the secret sauce of putting it all together. And boy, if we just did this, 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 and this, then all of a sudden God's presence is going to show up and bam, things are going to happen. It's about people in the church saying, you know what, I'm going to move towards the Father. I'm going to figure this out and I'm not going to sit here just staring at the sky wondering when Jesus is going to come back. No, I, instead I'm going to be a part of an ecclesia, the greater ecclesia, and allow that to be something that changes not just me, but my family family, my community, my workplace, my school, and everything that my hand touches. Is the church to need to be a part of that? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. But I've seen it over and over and over again. Well, if my church just did this, then I could do this. I understand that churches aren't perfect. Leadership isn't perfect. But sometimes we got to stop with the excuses and start understanding that God called us as individuals to go and make an impact for his kingdom. However, there are some things that we need to look at this morning. There are some things I want to talk about because I, I believe that, that God has called us as a family. He's called the greater church to, to kind of return to that place of the ecclesia. And so I want to look at two things that are important if the church wants to return there. Learning from how the disciples and the apostles used what they understood back then. So we're going to use their model a little bit, if that makes sense, to help us once again get away from the Kircha idea of the church and instead become more of an ecclesia type of a church. So two things. Number one, number one, the message captured their hearts and minds. The message captured their hearts and their minds. Something happened to these men. I know we talked a little bit about it back in the last series. But they were captured by the message of Jesus. This became something that changed them from the inside out. It changed the way they lived. It changed the way they talked. It changed on the places they went. Everything was changed. Because it was more than just a good story. It was more than just, oh boy, isn't this nice? And doesn't this feel good? And, and oh, 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 I want to be blessed. And oh, all these things. They understood something much greater and it captured them. But here's what's great. We can be captured by the same conviction, by the same message, by the same situation. Remember, listen. Think about this for a minute. Okay, we have a great amount of stories in the New Testament which proves a very easy, very simple point. These disciples, and I mean this in the most loving way because I know I'm worse in the same way. These guys were knuckleheads, okay? There had never been a time where people that were less um, qualified to do a type of job probably ever. These guys are being told, listen, you are going to go and you are going to spread the most important message ever in the history of mankind. And they got guys that are arguing about who's the greatest. They got guys that are constantly not figuring things out. They got guys who after Jesus has risen from the dead, they still don't get it. They're not the sharpest tools of the shed, guys. I mean, you get what I'm saying here? But something changed in them. Something happened in them. And it was more than just, hey, you know, isn't this a great little story? And, and yes, no, Jesus was the Messiah. He was God's son. And they allowed that message to capture them and change them. Look at Acts 4. In Acts 4, 7 through 12, let me kind of give you a background of where we're at here. Peter and John have, have been used by God to heal a man that's, that was a beggar, that has, been, that has been lame. And so now they're being questioned. They're being brought before the same people that basically have crucified Jesus. And so they're being brought in basically saying, you know, you need to explain this. You need to tell us what in the world is going on here. And this is, again, this is, this is the guys that just, we talked about it last week, ran away. We're scared. Who, who fought all the time, who didn't ever understand really what Jesus was communicating. But listen, this is what it says. Look at verse number seven. It says, they brought in two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? And that's healing the individual. Verse number eight. Then Peter, now notice this, we'll get back to this and kind of cover it in a minute. Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says... 
The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Listen in verse number 12. This is the gospel. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Who's speaking here? The guy that denied Jesus to a servant girl just a month before. Something changed in him. Can, can, can I be honest? Can I ask you just a, a, an easy question that we just we, we probably honestly need to ask ourselves maybe every other day, maybe every day? But I think it's important. Has the message of Jesus captured your heart and mind? Because here's how we can tell, okay? If your life is different because of it, it's captured it. Okay, why did I use the word captured? Okay? It's simple. Okay? Although I'm not a hunter and, and, and all these sort of things, I, 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 have, I have watched them on TV. That's a weird way to put it, but I have. An animal isn't captured if it's running free and doing its own thing. Okay? An animal becomes captured when it is no longer able to do what it wants. It is instead under the control of the individual or thing that has captured it. Now, in the case of hunting and a hunter, that is not very good for said animal. I understand that. But when our heart is captured by the Lord, when he begins to be the Lord of our lives, listen, there is no safer place, there is no better place for you to be. But what we tend to do with Jesus is we tend to say, listen, I don't want to be captured by you. Like, I, I like the salvation, getting out of hell stuff, and that's great. And I like the forgiveness when I do something bad. But, but I kind of still want to do my own little thing. Listen, if that's your life, you haven't been captured by the message in your heart and your mind yet. Captured basically says, listen, my whole life is different because of what Jesus has done for me. When someone wrongs me, I'm going to respond in, in the way that Jesus would want me to, not the way I probably would really like to. Why? Because I've been captured by him. Because now my life is different. And these things are so important to us. And we have to ask ourselves, have we been captured? The disciples, the apostles were captured by it and it changed the world. We need more people today in our churches and in our world that are captured by the goodness and the loveliness and the powerful name of Jesus. Second thing, second thing we need to do and that they did. The apostles yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit. They yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says this, this is Jesus speaking again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen, another reason why it was silly for those guys to stare up is because Jesus, just before he leaves, promises someone else is coming. Jesus even says in John, listen, I've got to go so the Holy Spirit can come. Now listen, is Jesus saying, I'm not very good and the Holy Spirit's awesome? No, he's just saying in the season that's coming, it makes more sense in God's understanding and plan for Jesus to go make intercession for us and the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit to empower us. The Holy Spirit to change us. You say, Aaron, I, I, I want to be captured. I want to have these things happen. How did it happen for the apostles? How did it happen? How does it happen for us today? It's simple. We yield to the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, I don't know everything. Holy Spirit, I need to be used by you. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to say. Put the words in my mouth, whatever it may or may not be. But we have to yield to that. Yielding is basically the concept of basically saying, Holy Spirit, you have the right away. Do you understand that concept? We're driving down the road. There's a yield sign. If I pull out, I'm going to get hit. Why? Because it's my job to yield to oncoming traffic. I don't know if you saw, and it's up there and it's hard to see. It's those, and Gordon yelled at me already today about the new graphic. And John Gardner did an amazing job 
because um, he, he was telling me yesterday he was, he was pulling dandelions. But, but, but that picture is just so perfect for this series because you know, what, you know what causes a dandelion to lose its seeds? The wind blows. The Holy Spirit in Scripture a lot of times, and we'll talk about it in the next coming weeks, is shown through this concept of wind. So for us to be the ecclesia, we need to yield to the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow us where he wants us to be. But before we kind of close, I want to kind of give us just a couple of applications to help us to do that. Because there are, there are two ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us. There are two ways that we want to look at this morning. The first is through the spiritual gifts. Through the spiritual gifts. And, and here's the thing. The spiritual gifts, um, and, and we listed, there's about 18 here. Okay, on, in your notes, it's up on the screen in just a minute. Listen, let, the, these are the spiritual gifts that God has given to his people. Okay, so we're going to throw those up there and kind of look at them together real quickly. But, but the, these are the things that God has given. Administration, apostle, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality. Knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, serving, speaking in tongues, teaching sometimes known as shepherding in the scriptures, and wisdom. Okay? Now, now here's, here's the thing. You have at least, and I believe you have multiple, okay? But you have at least one of those gifts. Okay? You have one of those gifts. Okay, if you say, Aaron, I don't know what gift I have. That's, that's okay, that's fair. But listen, we don't want to live in ignorance. We want to go, okay, Father, you've given me a gift. Which one of these gifts? And here's the funny thing, you probably already know. Okay, if you're the type of person who despises people coming to your home, hospitality is probably not your gift, and that's okay. If you like, man, I love having people over. I love to do this. And, and you're, probably hospitality is one of your gifts. And so I would say operate in your gift. Operate in your gift. But listen, you have a gift. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. Listen, we are commanded in 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you, that means you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts isn't there isn't it wonderful there's like 18 of these things isn't it awesome that God didn't like man I'm giving you two that would be so boring that would be like a body that basically has a nose and and, an, and eyes but that's it there's a variety and God has given each of us one of those gifts but listen to what we have listen to the command here use them well to serve one another Use them well is what we're commanded. So we have a gift and we're commanded to use it well. Not for ourselves, not so we can get puffed up, but to serve one another. So spiritual gifts is number one. Number two, the second way that the Holy Spirit empowers us to, and he empowers us to witness, to witness. Do you realize in Scripture... And we're going to look at a couple of examples here in the book of Acts, even though we can see them also in, in the Gospels and things like that, that when the Holy Spirit comes and when we yield to the Holy Spirit, words come out. That that is a natural thing that should happen. It's a natural thing that God wants to happen. Look at Acts 4.31. Acts 4.31 says this, After this prayer, the disciples have been praying together, the apostles, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Let's look at another one before we really look at this together. Acts 9. Acts 9, 17, then we're going to jump to 20. So Ananias went and found Saul. Now, let me give you a little background where we're at. Saul has gone off to, to, to kill Christians, basically. He's had a moment on the, on the road uh, when Jesus has appeared to him. And he is not doing well at this point. He's still blind and God sends Ananias to him to help him. And so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and, and receive 
the Holy, or excuse me, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now jump to verse number 20. And immediately, he being Paul, began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the Son of God. Here's how this is supposed to work. When we yield to the Holy Spirit in here, in our hearts, the Word of God comes out of here. That's how it works. You see it in Luke, the first and second chapter. You see it all throughout Scripture. There's this natural response. So why did the Holy Spirit come? In a lot of ways, He came to empower us to witness, to share the words that come out of our mouths. Those words aren't ours. They're what the Spirit has placed in us to come out. But if we're not yielded to the Holy Spirit, then we're going to find there being issues there. If we're not operating in the spiritual giftings that God has placed in our hearts, we're going to find that we're not going to be as effective as God wants us to be. He empowers us in these ways, but we have to be the one that yields to it. God could speak to you today at lunch. We're all going to Jason's Deli and, and we could be sitting there at lunch and you walk in and, and you're, oh man, I'm hungry. Man, I'm going to have a sandwich just because it would be weird if I just went and got ice cream. But I will get me a sandwich and I'll have some chips and then I'm getting ice cream. And that's where your heart is. And you walk in and I'm not saying this is going to happen. If it does, you better open your mouth. But you walk in and basically the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and say, hey, listen, you know that young lady that's checking you out today? You better share with her what, you, what I've done in, my, in your life because I'm working on her I'm doing some things in her so I want you to be a witness and you go oh but God but God that's gonna keep me like five minutes away from getting the ice cream you know what I mean and there are people here and it's gonna cause the line to slow down listen God has spoken to you God has told you what you need to do but if you're not willing to yield to it nothing's gonna come out of here we need to yield to the Holy Spirit and allow him to do in us what he needs to do. I want to close this morning with, with two convictions that we need to become effective witnesses. And, and I'll be honest with you, um, I took a class in college. It was called personal evangelism. It was by a, a guy named Dr. Watson. He was a pastor in Springfield where I went to school. Um, and he taught one class. And it was personal evangelism. And his, 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 one of his spiritual gifts was evangelism. I mean, this guy was all about it. And I remember him teaching us so many different things. But I remember him teaching me these things. And it, it changed what, how I saw witnessing. It changed how I saw evangelism. And I want you to take these things. And I want us to use them together. To be a, a more effective witness, okay? And they're just two, but if you will do these things, if you will understand these things, I think it'll change how we do this thing, what God has called us to do and be as the ecclesia, okay? And so these are important. Get these, understand these. So, two convictions we need to become effective new witnesses. Number one, number one, the Spirit of God is constantly at work. Preparing people around you. That's huge. So Aaron, what, what do you mean? What, what does that mean? Real simple. It means that God has not been sitting there twiddling his thumbs waiting for you to act. He has already been doing things in people's lives for probably not just days, but years preparing for that moment where he says, I need you to do this. It's not, a, you know, I've never done this. I've heard people that have, and, and it, I've heard this is the hardest thing to do in sales, but cold calls. You know what I mean? You're just calling somebody out of the blue. Hi, I'm Joe and I'm selling this. And, and yes, I, I'm selling yard care. And they say, I don't have a yard. I live in an apartment. Click. Do you realize with God and his Holy Spirit, there is no such thing as a cold call? God has been preparing people for years for your divine appointment with them. What does that mean? Simple. You ready for something mind-blowing? 
Tomorrow morning, maybe you go get a cup of coffee at Starbucks or wherever you may go, or maybe you walk into work. Listen, when you walk into that place, you can walk in with the confidence of going, Holy Spirit, listen, I know you've been preparing that barista. I know you've been preparing that coworker. I know you've been preparing that person that's sitting there on their computer that's saying, please, nobody come and talk to me. I know you've been doing those things, and I'm excited about what you're going to do through me in their lives today. Why? Because they've already been prepared. God is already getting them ready. And here's the other part of that you need to understand. Your job may be just to get them ready for the next person. This isn't about getting notches on your belt. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Sometimes your witness is simply to get them ready for the next divine appointment. But God is preparing them. God is working in their lives so that when you walk in, they're ready for that moment with you. So walk with boldness, walk with confidence, knowing that God has already been putting the pieces to where they need to be. And number two, number two, the Spirit of God uses you to speak His words. I don't know what to say. I don't... I don't, I don't know what to, you know, how, 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 you know, do, what, do, do, do I have a script? Oh, listen, listen. First of all, just be you. God created you to be you for a reason. And in his infinite wisdom, he did that and he knows what he's doing. But scripture tells us quite plainly that God will put words in our mouths. But it's still our mouth. God will speak through you but he's still going to speak. Are you ready for this? This is deep. Through you. God will speak through you. He'll put his words in your mouth. Aaron, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid I'm going to do the wrong thing. Listen, that's, can I be honest with you? That's just fear, and fear is from the enemy. Perfect love drives out all fear, folks. They may not like me. They may not. Yeah, they may not. They may think I'm a nut. Yeah, they may. They may. But God didn't say, Jesus didn't command us as the ecclesia to just go to the people that we think are going to take, respond favorably to this unbelievable conviction and message and mission that we have. And I don't know about you. And again, this is not me. But I've had times where I've, wanted to share things and I've almost had my little plan you know like I'm gonna go and I know this person and I'm gonna share this with them and and I think because I think that's the way that's gonna gonna move them towards the father and instead I get there and the Holy Spirit begins to speak and it's like the whole little script I've whole plan God throws out the water and I'm like God I'm almost thinking like God this isn't gonna work they're not gonna respond to this God they don't listen this way they don't hear this way and all of a sudden you look and all of a sudden they're just being broken by the Holy Spirit why? Because it's not about what I say. It's about what the Holy Spirit says through me. So you don't have to be afraid about what to say. You can know that God will use you and your mouth to exit his words. We're going to close. You see, I think that in a lot of ways, as we kind of go back to kind of what we talked about at the beginning, unfortunately, the church has kind of become a kerchief. Pastors have kind of become dispensaries. I know that's a, not probably a good word to use around Colorado, but I just did. Okay. You know what I mean. And, and not, you know what I mean. And so you come and and what do you need? And I just, you know, I'm almost like a, you know, I just, just dish it out. You know, and here's the thing. And please understand, like, we need to come together. And, and, and I take very seriously that, that I want to bring forth, if this makes sense to you, a good meal of God's word. That, that's important to me. I want you to walk out of here feeling fed. But I also need you to understand that if you're only getting fed here, you're going to be real hungry by tomorrow morning. 
So I understand the ecclesia, when you look at what it was, it, 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 there was teaching, there was worship, there was, there was community, there was prayer. We've talked about that before. But where sometimes we lose it and miss it is we forget that it's a movement. It, became, it becomes a kircha, not an ecclesia. God has called us to be an ecclesia. He called us to be on mission. He called us to know the mission and, and to be a part of it. Because here's the thing. If, if you're not moving, you're not in the movement. And you say, well, well, does that mean I'm not a Christian? No, I mean, maybe, maybe just right now, you're just staring up at the sky a little too much. And God's saying, hey, it's time to move again. It's time to be the ecclesia again. It's time to reach out and witness and share who I am to people I've placed in your life that I've prepared for you to minister to. Maybe it's time to put aside all the excuses. Is that easy? No, it's not. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit to help us and empower us to do that. So here's what we're going to do. Let's, let's all bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes just again, just so we can focus. For those that are online, man, I'm going to ask you to just to do the same right now, whether you're listening live or during another time, because, because this is important for all of us. I want to ask you a real simple question, and I know I've gone a little bit long, and I apologize for that. But I want to ask you a couple of questions to kind of help us here. Number one, has the message of God captured your heart and your mind? We just finished the last week of Jesus series. We just celebrated a couple weeks ago Easter. Has that message really captured you? Or, or has it become somewhat stale and somewhat there's, there's apathy that's kind of grown in? Where are you at in that? Because here's the thing. If, if, if it's a state of apathy, God wants to bring it alive again. He wants to revive that in you. Okay? He wants to do that in you and through you. But sometimes we have to realize it and we have to be willing to go to him and say, God, you know what? I haven't been captured anymore. It, it's just become a part of me. It hasn't been... I haven't been captured by it. It hasn't been something that I allow to change the way I act, live, breathe, communicate, all these things, and I need that in my life again. And when we come and ask that, God does it. And number two, have you yielded to the Holy Spirit? Have you been willing to be a, 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 a have, you, have you used your spiritual giftings well? Have you been a witness? Have you spoken out the words and the truth of what has captured your heart? Because if you haven't, it's time. Listen, we as a family of believers, we will never truly be the ecclesia until we get these two things down. Until we're willing to allow God to do this in us and through us. If not, hey, we'll, we'll come together, we'll have our services, but we'll be a kircha. We will. And there's lots of kirches out there. I'm not trying to throw rocks. I'm just saying I believe God has called us to be an ecclesia. And I want to be an ecclesia. But we have to make personal choices to make that a reality. I can want it all I want, but until we as a family do it together, we won't be able to fully accomplish the great plans that God has for us. So I need you to answer those questions. I need you to let the Holy Spirit come and show you the answers if you don't know. Most of you, you'll know immediately. And if those answers are in the negative, we can call out to God and know that he can change us from the inside out again. He can restore those areas and make us brand new in those particular places 
if we will let him. And so, Father, we come to you as a family and as a church. And, Father, we desire to once again be a a body of believers built around conviction and around movement. We desire to be an ecclesia. Yeah, we are thankful for this building in this place, obviously, and you have blessed us with it, and we are so thankful. But this is simply a building. It is not your church. It is a building where your church, where your ecclesia comes together. And Father, even though it's hard for us to understand sometimes, you haven't asked us just to simply be stagnant. You've asked us to be a group of people that are moving forward with the mission that you've placed on our hearts. And the mission for every single one of us is to go and be my witnesses and tell people about the good news and to share with them what you have done in our lives and what you can do in their lives. None of us are exempt from that mission. We are all called to do it. But to do it effectively, we need to once again be captured by your message, by your goodness, grace, forgiveness, and love. And we need to yield to your Holy Spirit, whom you sent to help us accomplish the mission. And so, Father, I pray that for all of us, myself included, if there are any areas of our life that need to be rearranged, Father, we give you free reign to rearrange them. Father, we give you free reign to do in us and through us what you need to do. Capture our hearts again and let us yield to what you want to do in us and through us through your Holy Spirit. Father, change us as an individual and Father, change us as your church. Help us. We can't do it without you. We don't want to do it without you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, thanks so much for being here. For those that are online, man, we love you. We hope that you're doing well. We miss you. We hope to see you really, really soon. Remember, we're going to hang out, obviously, for a little bit and spend some time together. But but after that, we're going to head over to Jason's Deli. Please, if you don't have any plans, we'd love to have you join us and just enjoy some some lunch and some fellowship. And remember, I I know I've mentioned it four times, but they do still have ice cream. And so we're going to have a great time together. So again, thanks for being here. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.